Hi, welcome to the Work Smarter, Not Harder podcast series. This series is intended for those of you who are engaging in determining the success of your initiatives. Staff are working as hard as they can, but how do we know if what we're busy doing is actually working? The purpose of this podcast series is to help staff determine if they are meeting their goals. This episode is episode one of a series of podcasts designed to help educators monitor the success of their efforts. I am Colleen Paplow with Wake County's Public School Systems Data Research and Accountability Department, and I am joined today by my colleague and co-host, Dina. Dina, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, I'm Dina Cook with Wake County Public Schools Data Research and Accountability, and I'm glad to be here today. We are also joined by Granville Johnson from our Office of Equity Affairs. Granville, please introduce yourself to our listeners um, and tell us what you do for the Office of Equity Affairs. Hi, I'm Granville Johnson with the Office of Equity Affairs. I support the students through our Helping Hands Mentoring Program, and I've been with the district since November 2019. Well, we're happy to have you here today. Today's episode is a conversation around why it's important to monitor your efforts. So Granville, I wanted to ask you, as someone who is new to the monitoring process, can you provide our listeners with some background about how you were introduced to this work? Yes. My very first day on the job, I get an email from Kathy Moore, the superintendent, and it was talking about the need for self-monitoring. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world have I gotten myself into? This is the first day on the job. So I went over to my supervisor, Therese, and she explained that the monitoring process it's a part of the school district's initiative to make sure that we've got accurate data and that we're actually supporting our students. Good to know. So what were your initial thoughts regarding the uh, self-monitoring? Can you share? My initial thought was that this was going to be a tedious and time-consuming process. I'm going to create a report that somebody's going to read who doesn't know me, doesn't know the kids, doesn't know the process, just sort of an admin function. And so I was really, really, really um, not happy. But then I was introduced to you at the orientation, and I got to really understand that you and the Office of Data Accountability are really here to support us. And I could begin to see how this whole monitoring process would actually benefit me and the entire program. I mean, it benefited me primarily by giving me a snapshot of my entire program, my long-term goals, my short-term goals. I could see everything in one spot. Uh, The poster format was really helpful to me because I didn't have to create my own report. I could literally just sort of like fill in the blanks and it covered everything from budgeting to uh, the conclusions. Um, the process and the ongoing support were great in spite of my initial concerns. It sounds like you had to jump right in. Can you talk to us a little bit about the project where you have used the monitoring process? Sure. Helping Hands has been around for about 35 years, and I'm new to the district. Um, I came in at a time when the program was undergoing some major restructuring. So one of my first things I had to do was to begin to build relationships with the mentors. And one of the worst things you can do is come in into a position in the middle of a lot of change. It creates a lot of mistrust. So one of my first goals was to begin to build, you know, a sense of camaraderie and trust with the mentor. So the monitoring process, the document itself, helped me to begin to think critically about how to do that. So I began to create a steering committee to give the mentors more voice. I began to create opportunities for the mentors to socialize outside of the school district and also to give them an opportunity to begin to develop um, and to lead professional development opportunities, which began to build their trust in me and in equity affairs. The program also needed enhanced curriculum for the students 
and additional opportunities for them to get outside of the building to experience more of the richness of our community. So having that one page document was a tremendous benefit for me. So Granville, just a point of clarification for our listeners, that one page document you're talking about, is that the logic model or your actual presentation or report? Yes, it is the uh, logic model. The thing that I sort of like resisted in the very beginning until I began to understand it is an extremely useful tool for planning the entire year. I'll just tell our listeners, we're going to put a link just where they access this podcast recording to a logic model example so that they can see what we're talking about. It's just a graphic organizer that allows you to present your needs, your strategies, and then the outcomes in basically, as Granville has described, the one pager so that it's easy to see the connections. Yeah. And so I was actually able to use the logic model to also begin to, with Dina's help, of course, to begin to develop a survey at the end of the year to measure our success. And it was really, really, really great. So I wanted to ask you, Granville, monitoring a program is always a complex process and it does require a great deal of planning. How important was initial planning for you as part of your work? To be frank, I've done this work with kids for a lot of years. And so I wanted to jump right in. And I felt like this was going to be like an additional task, um, but it turned out to be an invaluable tool. So you touched upon why there is a need for the program and you spoke about the goals a little bit. Maybe you could say a few words about how you created logic model. Was it part of your planning? And Yeah, I saw the uh, logic model as both a roadmap and a travel kit. I mean, I already know pretty much what I wanted to do and how to do it, but I can be kind of creative at times. And sometimes I can sort of like go off script. And so the logic model really helped me sort of like stay on task. It allowed me to be very flexible with the entire plan, especially during COVID. There were times I needed to stay on task, but remove certain pieces of the original plan. Like for instance, we weren't able to do the boys summit. Uh, we weren't able to do our service learning opportunity with the food bank. But I was actually able to begin to stick in a piece where I was able to engage families more than I had originally planned. So it was like it was basically a roadmap. And also, I like to think of it as being a travel kit. I do like the metaphor of using a logic model as a travel kit. As you started implementation, Granville, what was your thinking regarding how to monitor the implementation of your activities and strategies? Well, because I was adding new components to the program. For me, it was really simple. It was either the program was more diverse or it wasn't. Um, there was either new curriculum in place or there wasn't. The kids were getting outside of the building or they weren't. So it wasn't really complex. So for me, a primary goal was to make sure that I was building trust with the mentors and putting pieces of the program in place so that they would begin to feel more supported. So you were saying you had to focus on the specifics of the implementation, but also had to keep the big picture in mind, correct? Absolutely. I wanted also to talk about data, which is sometimes problematic for some staff. As we implement a program, we think about collecting evidence, showing that the strategies that we're using are working. What served as your data? As I said before, because a lot of what I was doing was very simple. It was basically checking off whether this piece was in place or that piece was in place. But also, I also use a lot of anecdotal data. I would get comments from mentors during formal and informal gatherings. I would uh, get information from emails. They would tell me what was working, what wasn't working. 
And also I would visit children during some of the mentoring cohorts to just sort of observe how they were moving through the program. Were they enjoying it? Were they engaged with it? How the mentors were feeling? And that became a large part of what was really important um, to help me figure out how to move forward. I also um, gave the end of the year survey, as I said before, but I wanted to make sure that the survey could be taken anonymously. It was really important for me that the mentors would be honest with their thoughts and feelings. Because this was a transitional year for the program in many, many, many ways, I also wanted to make sure that one of the options was improving. I've taken surveys before where there's good, fair, horrible. And if none of those fit, I can't answer the survey. I took a survey earlier this year from the district, and it had several titles. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an administrator. I'm not a counselor. It was a required field. So guess what? I couldn't take the survey. So when the survey came around again, I had moved on. So I made sure that I put in improving as an option. And many of the mentors actually selected improving because they couldn't commit to it being great, good, or poor. I really like how you pointed out the different types of data that you're talking about. Because I think sometimes um, when we hear data, and as Dina's asking, you know, well, what data did you use? People would have jumped just immediately to the survey data. But thinking about all the times we collect data through whether it's pulling those anecdotal data, and that can be used to inform those survey questions, right? You can gather data to strengthen the program uh, initially in the early stages using a variety of data. And I think that's one of the things that the monitoring planning allows you to think through is how do I gather that initial data and then use it for formative improvement? Yes. And it also sounds to me that as Granville was collecting data, he was trying to collect data from all participants who we usually call stakeholders. Exactly, exactly. When we were putting together the survey, it was also important how I structured the question. Like, for instance, I wanted to get information from the mentors about what was needed to better support the student, what was needed to better support the mentors. And I thought that by asking about the kids first, it would help the mentors think more critically about what they need to support the kids. So just little things like that that you helped me think through was really helpful. Thank you. Very thoughtful approach. And after you collected your data and you looked at your first results, what were your thoughts from summarizing your data? Well, it was really interesting. I got some unexpected results. I found out that some of the mentors weren't really clear about the program's overall goals, which I just assumed they would be. And I also found out that some of the mentors actually wanted additional training and support. So I'm glad that during the creation of the survey, we left lots of spaces for free writing. Right. We sometimes encourage people to add an open-ended question at the end of the survey, which allows the participants to add any comments that we forgot to ask about, any thoughts, any input. So that's great. So it sounds like you seem to have thought about getting straightforward answers from the data that helped with your accountability. Your data offered evidence that the short-term goals have been achieved, and you are now one step closer to your long-term goals. How did you plan to share your results? It's an interesting question. We do know that pandemic has interfered with reporting the results and with implementation overall and data collection. But what were your maybe initial thoughts about how you could present your results to the team and to the district leadership? 
I knew I was going to present an end of the year report for the OEA leadership team. And I wasn't really sure how the uh, post would be presented at the district level, if it would be at the district leadership, summer leadership conference, or exactly what that would look like. So you were prepared for anything at that point, right? Yes. But I liked your final result, which was a poster, and you laid it out so clearly. And anybody who didn't know what the program was all about could immediately see the needs, the goals, the strategies, and even feedback from the uh, mentors and the students. Granville, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today and your first experience with self-monitoring. Thank you. Yes, we really appreciate the conversation, Granville. In particular, um, we really appreciate the fact that you recognize that maybe initially you weren't so certain about this process and that it, it was a little intimidating coming in because I'm sure some of our listeners are going to have the same thoughts and feelings around when they hear, oh, you need to monitor your efforts. It feels a little bit like an auditing or something that, you know, intense but it really is about knowing what you're doing and, and being mindful of if what you're doing is going to work and if we are going to get the outcomes that we hope to get, right? So I also appreciate you talking about the logic model as your planning tool and how having that to organize your thinking and keep you kind of on track, I think, were your words, um, was very helpful. And also, travel kit. And yeah, thank you, Dina. And the, the idea of that analogy with the travel kit, I think that's really a cool analogy. And being able to recognize the multiple forms of data, being able to be inclusive of the participants, as Dina pointed out, and then sharing that, you know, this all kind of came together in a presentation that you can share with others and to communicate the work that you're doing for the district. So we really do appreciate you being willing to talk to us today and and share your experiences because I know others will benefit from hearing from you. Well, the support you provided was fantastic. And that segues really well to my reminder before we leave our conversation for today that we do have other resources available through the Monitoring Success of Your Efforts online Learning Central courses available to district staff. For those who are interested in learning more about this process, they can sign up for those courses. We encourage them to do so. We also want to mention that coming up in our next episode, you'll hear from district colleague Sherry Miller about how she used logic models as an organizing technique to display connections between program strategies and goal attainment. So we'll go a little bit further into understanding that tool. And then look for this spring and summer, the release of these episodes as we move further into our podcast series, the Work Smarter, Not Harder series from your friends at Data Research and Accountability. <laughs>